0: The culture and the lifelong pursuit of learning, development, growing yourself, becoming the best version of yourself, that's something I've never forgotten. The reason that I'm standing out is because of these skills that I was able to hone for so many years at Cutco. And it absolutely has given me a tremendous advantage. Everybody learns and grows, but people learn and grow at different rates based on if they're only learning and growing passively, well, that's when you learn from when you fall down and that's it. But if you're active about it, if you're trying to pursue that actively, that's when you can grow faster and you can bring people along with you too.
1: The voice you just heard is Stephen Williams, a leader who is rapidly climbing in the medical device industry. Stephen came to understand the active pursuit of learning while at Cutco and how this leads to greatness in all areas of life. He has carried that with him into his post-vector career, and he also applies this in his most important leadership role as a father of four young children. What follows here today is an inspiring conversation with someone who really gets it in life. I know you will appreciate the insights of Stephen Williams. Welcome to Changing Lives, Selling Knives. I'm your host, Dan Cassetta. and hands-on experiences, you'll gain insights that can help you in whatever it is that you do in life. Thanks for pressing play. Let's get on with today's episode. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the podcast. I'm excited to have Stephen Williams with me today. Stephen sold Cutco starting back in 2010, started in Jackson, Mississippi, in Brian Stevenson and Mark Bullard's organization at that time. He had a great first summer as a sales rep and went straight from rep to district manager the following year after graduating from Mississippi State University. Brian had a great run with the Cutco Vector organization that we'll talk about, ultimately leading him into medical device sales. That is where his career path took him. He is now the Territory sales manager and national field trainer for the Olympus Corporation of Americas. His territory spans Mississippi and Louisiana, and he's had great success in his career after Vector. So, we got a lot of good stuff to talk about today. Stephen Williams, welcome to the podcast.
0: Hey, Dan. Thanks for having me, man. Excited to be here. It's an honor.
1: Fantastic. Well, I'm grateful to Brian for introducing us so that uh, we could have this conversation today. I know you have a lot of good value to add. Take us back to 2010 and tell us a little bit about how you got started with Cutco.
0: Yeah, so it's a funny story, actually. Yeah, so A little bit of a <clears throat> chance happening. So I had already had an internship that I was pretty excited about lined up for that summer. Uh, with Actually, I don't know if we can say the name, but it's a big communications company. And I found out about two or three weeks before I was supposed to start that internship that the funding had been pulled for that and that they didn't have any availability. And so I had to kind of scramble on the fly to find something. And I found out about the Cutco opportunity online, actually, when I was looking. So I was what was called, I think, an I app or a web app. Yep. Which, uh, having the experience I had down the line, I realized that was kind of, kind of an interesting and more rare way to get started than, than some others. But came in for the interview. I actually didn't know really exactly what I was interviewing for, but I knew it was marketing, sales, opportunity, communications, and, all that was, was stuff that I, I felt like I was interested in and could probably do pretty well. And so came in for the interview. And at the interview is when I learned that it was, was Cutco Knives. And I had actually had some exposure to Cutco Knives before. And I was like, oh, okay, I know a little bit about what we're, what we're talking about here.
1: Excellent. I love that it was sort of a chance encounter that you had this internship set up and it got pulled away from you. Yeah, I've had, uh, as a guest on the podcast, the current CTO of Facebook. Andrew Bosworth. He, he was a, he was a rep in AM with me. And now he's one of the biggest guys at Facebook. And I saw his dad the other day and I said, Hey, I don't know if you remember me, Dan Cassetta, I worked with, you know, Andrew at Cutco and he was, I remember when he got started, he was going to have this job in the tech industry and that this was in 2001 and the funding got pulled exactly the same thing. And like, he didn't have a job and then he ended up with Cutco. So who knows, man, you may be on a path to like epic, epic (laughs) greatness in your life. So (laughs)
0: thankful for whatever comes.
1: (laughs) Yeah. 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 The chance encounter making the most out of it. So that's great. So that the first summer was a big success. I know for you, you were a great rep. You became an assistant manager during that summer and had some really good results. What do you remember about uh, those early experiences?
0: Yeah, well, it's funny to think back because I guess everybody remembers things differently. I wouldn't have remembered my first summer as a tremendous success. I remember being a hard worker, but having a lot, uh, a lot of skill to work on. Man, I can remember getting started, uh, going out and doing a lot of appointments, making a lot of calls and making a lot of sales. But my average order, kind of to use a term that, that y'all would be familiar with in the cut code world, was was low. And I wasn't really good at selling the whole package. Uh, it was more of like a few, few knives here and there. I think I was about a month into the job and I was up at the office with Brian Stevenson and a couple of other uh, assistant managers. I can remember Joe Womack was there, Stuart Lamb was there, and it was after a team meeting. I think we were just talking. And I was like, Look, you need some extra help around here. You know, promote me. Give, me, give me some stuff to do. Let me be an assistant manager. And Brown was like, Steven, you, ha- you haven't even sold a homemaker set yet. Of course, you know, that was like our quintessential set. Yeah. And it's like, dang, he's right. You know, I'd sold sold a pretty large amount by this point, but like I said, more of a workhorse than like a skilled salesperson. And right there that night, we made a deal. I was like, I tell you what, you know, I I think I had an appointment that night. And I said, well, what if I sell a homemaker on this appointment that I'm going to? Then will you promote me to an assistant manager? And he said, yeah, for sure. And of course he's probably thinking this guy's done. Dozens and dozens and dozens of appointments. He's never sold one. <laughs> well, I, I guess it was just the, you know, the intentionality of it, man. I sold not only a homemaker plus eight, but also like a whole set of cookware
1: on that. Oh, account. nice. I, it
0: was like triple my largest order at that point. And so kind of forced him to promote me. And that's that's how I got promoted to the system
1: manager. <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah. fantastic. What a great story. Uh, that's pretty cool. So you started out helping, helping in the office and helping other reps as well during that summer as the summer was winding down?
0: That's right. That's right. So I think the first thing I kind of did was like a team leader role where I'd have like a few newer reps that I would work with and talk with uh, on a regular basis and kind of motivate, inspire, train, coach them. I started to get involved even in doing like a little bit of the, the interviewing as well, which was a totally new skill for me, but something that I just was really attracted to and I thought was, was a great opportunity. So yeah, I think those, those roles kind of expanded throughout the summer. And I also just got a lot more skilled at selling. You know, I was able to sell more and, and towards the end of the summer, have some pretty big pushes and average order grew a lot. And my confidence grew a lot. And that's why when further opportunity came, I, I kind of
1: was excited about that because I felt like I had grown a lot already. Yeah. And when you went to school, is Mississippi State close enough to Jackson that you were still around Brian or was that a little farther away?
0: A little bit further away, so it's about two, two and a half hours, but thankfully we had a district office in Starkville, and so I was just able to transfer when I went back to school into that office, and what was really neat was that district manager had a lead assistant for the summer, but that lead assistant was going elsewhere for school, actually, and so there was a need for a lead assistant. And I was able to step into that role even while I was finishing that senior year of college, and just do a ton in the office, get a lot of experience, and grow a lot through that year. So it was, it was really neat. It worked out really well.
1: Excellent, excellent. So then you graduated uh, the following May from Mississippi State University. I know you were a double major in philosophy and poli sci, right? That's right. Right. Yeah. And so uh you were considering what to do next and your choice was grad school or district manager is that right
0: Yeah that's right that's right so uh really what my plan had been I kind of had a, a vision you know even before that summer where I sort of a cutco where I was going to go straight into a uh, masters in public policy administration program masters PPA and then the opportunity was proposed kind of at the end of that summer, beginning of fall, that, hey, you know, we actually, we actually view you as someone that could be a district manager that could go out and run and start a new territory. So I think at that time, Southern Rock Division, which was the name of our division, was a very young division, maybe only a year or two old as as it was kind of constructed. And so right. there was a lot of opportunity where maybe in some other divisions, um, you might have had to work two, three, four years and, and trained to get the opportunity to go out and run a district. Uh, in our young division, it was like, hey, we believe in you. We think you got some, some grit and we, we'll give you a shot. And so that really played a lot into my decision. I'm a big believer in uh, striking while the opportunity is hot, taking life you know, actively as opposed to passively. Yeah. And when I looked at those opportunities, it felt like uh, grad school is something that's always going to be there. Uh, I can go back and do that at any number of times in life. As a matter of fact, that's something that I'm actually able to pursue now and, and my company will actually pay for that for me. So that just, that goes to show that that's an opportunity that is, was always going to be there for me. But it felt like the opportunity to go out and you know start my own district, find my own office, hire my own staff, recruit and train and develop and really just build something. That was something that felt like an opportunity that was for right then that may not be there in the future. Uh, yeah. And so it just felt like the right, the right opportunity to take advantage of. And for me, it was really a pretty easy decision when, when the rubber met the road.
1: Yeah. Outstanding. And where was your district territory? So initially, Tupelo, Mississippi.
0: So moved to Tupelo, which is kind of up uh, far north, uh, northeast corner of Mississippi. It's kind of most, mostly known for being the birthplace of Elvis Presley. Yeah, but it was not an existing place. And Zig
1: Ziglar, right? Is Zig Ziglar's from there? I think, or somewhere no around way. there. No No.
0: Yeah. If he is, he's on my mind if that's true, because I've never. <laughs> known that. And I've, I've read some Zig. I've listened to. Is he really from there?
1: I feel like he's from Tupelo, maybe, maybe somewhere near wow. there. I don't know. I have, to, okay. have to look that up again.
0: Me too, man. No. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So yeah, that was that was where the opportunity was.
1: Nice. Well, tell us about. Uh the key lessons you learned from your experience that you feel like are things that you, uh, you know, still stand out to this day.
0: Things, things with the district manager and getting started with, with that position.
1: Yeah. Or even, you know, as a sales rep as well, like what, what oh, are some man. of your vector lessons that, uh, that are the, yeah. the most important vector lessons that you've gained?
0: Oh, there's a lot. I'll kind of bounce around to a few, if that's okay. Cause it's hard for me to pinpoint, but there, there are a few that really stand out.
1: Yeah. The
0: first one that stands out, honestly, um, is the culture and the lifelong pursuit of learning, development, growing yourself, becoming the best version of yourself would be a way I'd put it. Yeah. That's something I've never forgotten. And I think even when I was at Cutco, I think I took it for granted because I was young. I had not had a lot of experience out in the work world yet. And so I think I just kind of thought, man, this is really cool, but I guess this is kind of how it is everywhere. And as I've (laughs) moved along, I've learned it's not, it's really special. The culture of pouring into people, building people, developing and growing people, caring about the person, not just the numbers, not just the results. That is really, I think, the special sauce at Cutco. If you made me pick one thing, and that's something that I've taken and I think I've been able to add like a unique perspective to some of the places that I have worked afterwards where that isn't the case where there's not that culture and that's because I got to experience it with Cutcut.
1: Yeah. How have you interacted with people at your current work that don't have this like pursuit of learning and growth? Like what what are the steps to like get people just to be more interested in growth and learning and self-development?
0: Oh man, that's a great question. Some of the things that I I do to try to encourage that is I try to ask people good questions about, hey, what what are you learning? What have you been reading lately? How have you been growing your skill set as it pertains to this role? And I like to, I guess what you would call lead by example or be the change that I want to see. Just setting that pace, referencing things that I'm learning in, in talks and in, in interactions with people, just bringing those things to the forefront because it allows you to have interesting conversations. And so much of what we do, this is sales too. It's just a different avenue of self. So much of what we do is can you have conversations with people easily, naturally? Can you get them to feel comfortable with you to open up? And can you have conversations where people like talking to you and they want to talk to you because they feel like it's insightful and Mm -hmm. like they're getting something out of it. And it's really hard to do that. It's really hard to build conversations and have those types of relationships if you're not pouring into yourself, if you're not listening to podcasts, if you're not reading books, if you're not researching and just looking into what what all else
1: is out there, trying to grow your perspective.
0: So I don't know if that really answers your question that well or not, but that's a great
1: question. Yeah. The whole idea of just leading by example, Stephen, when you're someone who's learning and growing and you share that with people in your circle and they see that you're doing well, I think that that creates a lot more inspiration in others to want to do the same thing. So that was a good concept right there for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I love that you first thing I asked when the first thing you said, when I asked about you know, lessons from your vector experience is just that culture of the lifelong pursuit of learning. And you use the word pursuit, right? That it's not just like going to a meeting, right? But it's like really like being at a meeting to get everything out of it, taking time to read, taking time to listen to audios, those sorts of things, right? Like that is what I feel like is such a key part of the vector culture that helps people to become a whole lot better than just sort of stumbling through life day-to-day learning from their own mistakes, but not learning outside of their own yeah. experiences.
0: That's so. right. I mean, it goes back to that same idea of take being active as opposed to passive in your life. Yeah, Everybody learns and grows, but people learn and grow at different rates based on if they're only learning and growing passively, well, that's when you learn from when you fall down, and that's it. Yep. And, and you maybe learn then, maybe you don't. It depends on how introspective you are about that, right? But if you're active about it, if you're trying to pursue that, actively, that's when you can grow faster and, and, and you can bring people along with you too. But yeah, dude, I mean, that's that's the number one thing that stands out to me is the culture it's an, is, is an incredible culture. And I don't know, you probably know more than me, but I don't know if the culture at Cutco is more of a reflection of just like someone being very intentional about this is who we want to be. This is how we want to treat people. And this is how we want people to feel here. Or if it was just more like, the leaders early on building this thing, that's just who they were and it just flowed out of them. But it's such its such a culture there, man, where it's not just about a lot of what I see in the world I operate in is your leaders, they teach you and train you and coach you as it pertains to the skills of your job, right? The particular devices, products that you sell, the particular customer interaction. So you, you get a lot of that. But almost none of the like, here's how to be a person you want to be. Here's how Mm -hmm. to be a well-rounded, balanced person. Here's how to grow yourself. Here's how to be the kind of person you want to be in your family and with your friends. Those things, a lot of times I find lacking out here. And they were just so prevalent. You know, There were so many of those conversations about bettering yourself as a person, not just bettering your skills to sell more.
1: Yes, awesome. Yeah, great to hear, Stephen. I mean, it definitely is a big part of what I feel like sets the vector opportunity apart from so many other places. And and as you said, it just doesn't exist in most places. I, I can't tell you how many reps I've had over the years who I've you know caught up with long after their Cutco vector experience, and have told me the same thing. And they say, God, it's just not the same out here. You know, it's like people aren't the same. You know. Yeah. So yeah. there's definitely the, a hunger to be great, not just at our job, but at everything we do within the vector culture that I think people really benefit from and, and can help take to other places. So. That's
0: right, man. And, and hindsight's 2020, because I, I just can't, for people that are there now, this would be my message. I had no idea how special it was when I was there and I took it for granted. And in hindsight, I can see it for what it was. The, like Here's an example. The conferences and meetings. When we have those, it, it's just different now. I mean, I can still remember talks and messages that I heard from leaders at CODCO um, that impacted me. Like I can remember right now off the cuff talks from people like Drew Frank, Isaac Tolpin, um, Trent Booth, uh, John Ruling that were like, just made me want to be a better person and just felt like, you know, that, but at the time I didn't know how rare it was. So that'd be my message to people there now is like, tr- try to see it for what it is now and realize um, how special it is because it is, you'll see it one day for sure. You'll see it one day for sure. And I, I can see it more clearly now.
1: Yeah. I'm constantly reminded of like Jim Rohnisms, and uh, He's my favorite speaker and author. And there's one, he says, where he says, wherever you are, be there. And I just think about if you're in Cutco, really being here to get the most out of it is so critical because of what you said. It's like, you will look back and say, wow, I do remember that person. I do remember that message. I do remember that lesson. And there'll be things that stand out for a lifetime.
0: Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. We're talking 10 years ago, you know, 10, 12 years ago, sometimes.
1: Yeah, yeah. What else uh, do you feel like stands out from your experience that you feel like are things that you've leveraged?
0: So, the self skills. I know this is probably one you get from everyone. It's probably a really common answer. But the self skills is another thing. I I, I didn't realize how advantageous that was going to be and how strong. Like, if you really take the program and you run with it and you're really trying to master what you're doing in terms of selling Cutco and, and teaching and leading people to sell the cut code product. I just felt like when I got out into other industries of sales and I was competing against people, I saw very quickly that I always had the advantage when it came to talking about sales, sales process, being able to dissect, read a customer, read the room, being able to just comfortably have those conversations and spark those up, build rapport. These were areas that just like basic selling skills that, I always had an advantage over the people I was competing with for roles once I got outside of Cutcut. And I didn't realize that at the time that it was going to put me so far ahead in that front. So selling skills is definitely one. The initiative to do stuff, man. Just the initiative to do stuff. I think back to starting that district office. And so like I started district office in Tupelo, but then uh, we, did, we did pretty well and had some really good results. And so a couple of years later, I got the opportunity to move to, to, you know, Little Rock, Arkansas, which was, you know, a significantly bigger market than Tupelo and do it all again. It was like, you know, so I basically spent two years building this thing up from scratch. And then it's like, man, you know, this thing's going pretty well now. Do I want to like start over and move to a state I've never lived in? Yeah, for sure. Let's do it, you know? And, and so just having the initiative to get out and do things, you know, a lot of great leaders at Cutco, I could credit with that. But one of the first ones I think of is Lloyd Reagan. Lloyd Reagan is, you know, someone that just, uh, he's just an action guy, right? I can remember when I moved to Little Rock, he came to visit and we had like just secured the office space, man. I think he was there like the first day or two before for the office and he just dives in. He's like, what can I help with? And I'm thinking like, let's do some coaching teach me how to do this. And he's like, no, really, like, what would be helpful? I was like, well, we got to put all these desks together. And he just like takes his suit jacket off and starts putting the desk together with me. He would probably not remember that. But I remember that, that that was cool. So like the initiative to take risks, just get out and do things, things that seem big and scary. That's always something that I've taken with me that I think I, I gained some of that confidence from Cutco to see that, hey, we can do this. And We can jump and and we're going to be okay. It's fun to see where you land. So those are some things that come to mind.
1: Yeah. Initiative is such a critical success factor in any organization. There have to be people who take initiative because I think the world is mostly filled with followers. The world is mostly filled with people who can follow instructions, can do what you ask, are excited and positive, but they don't quite have that X factor of mm-hmm. initiative, being able to figure out what to do, being able to lead the way, being able to drive the action. And that's one of those things that, uh, that people learn at Cutco that I think is so valuable for sure. True. And, and then when you talked about sales skills, I was reminded of a, of a lesson that I have often cited on this podcast, which is something that came to me very early when I was at Cutco. Somebody said, in life, do more of what works and do less of what doesn't. And I think that in talking to people, the more that you practice selling and influence, the more you start to realize, okay, this method works most of the time. This method doesn't work most of the time. And an example I give people oftentimes is like promoting something positively, promoting what to do versus promoting what not to do. If you try to motivate people with what not to do, it doesn't really work that often. It's sort of, doesn't create the right inspiration. But if you try to motivate people, what to do parenting is a great example where this applies, motivating people, what to do now you're giving them a goal. You're giving them an aspiration. They're, they're more excited about it. And that's something I learned through vector and selling is just how to say things in the right way. So, so so such critical basic skills that apply in all areas of life.
0: Yep. Yep. And just hearing you talk, it's made me think of a couple more. If we've got a couple minutes that just jumped out at, at me. So One, another one, this mostly came through my role as a district manager, but presentation skills, like being able to present and speak to large groups, lead meetings, things like that, that has put me so far ahead of my peers out in the field that that is where a lot of the opportunities that I have been able to gain in my career post-Cutco have come from. Just people saying, man, you're really good at teaching a group of people how to do something. You're really good at creating kind of an agenda and running through it. And in my mind, I'm like, "Huh, you know, that came from being a district manager. That's where I got that. That's where I got extremely comfortable with talking in front of groups of people, which is something that a lot of people, even a lot of really good salespeople, are not comfortable with, right? So that one and another one, and I know like with Cutco, we don't really, it's not true cold calling, but we a lot of times meet people for the very first time and then we try to present and sell a product to them. So it's, it's somewhat like cold calling. And uh, I think a lot of times people have the mindset that I've encountered this mindset with peers of mine. I'll say it that way, that when I start out in my sales career, I may have to do a job where I do a lot of that kind of cold calling stuff. But at some point, I'm going to get to this point where all of a sudden, all of my interactions are warm, and I'm just basically managing my customers. And I'm going to tell you something not true. It's really not true. The best salespeople in every industry that I've seen, certainly in my industry, are the people that, yeah, you're, you're doing a great job with those existing customers, those existing one relationships, but you never lose that edge in regards to being able to get out there in front of a customer that you've never met or you've never talked with, or maybe you, you've had even a strained relationship with and give it another go at, at opening that dialogue up representing a product, showing them something new. And so I think that ability to be comfortable with kind of that cold call approach is something you get so much practice with at Cutco that is gonna be so beneficial for years and years later.
1: Yeah, awesome, outstanding. And I, I mean, I trust that all of these things you talked about have been critical parts of your success in your career Let's talk about that a little bit. I know you, you made the move from Vector to the medical device sales industry in 2016. Uh, you've had some really great success. Tell us a little bit about your path and your success factors.
0: Yeah, so I just I guess what I would say is I got this itch inside of me where I felt like it was, it was time for me to try something different. And so I started exploring what that might be. Now, by this time, and I think this is an important point, when I started with Cutco, I had all sorts of different ideas about where I may go in life, but none of them had me being a professional salesperson. Mm. By the time I left Cutco, I had moved so far from my experience with Cutco that I knew that was the only thing I wanted to do. Like for the rest of my life, I wanted to be in sales, either on the front lines, leading a team to sell, training people to sell. I knew that sales was what I loved to do. So I started looking at, What are the industries that I may want to get into? And I explored a couple and eventually uh, medical device, medical equipment, what sparked my interest the most. And so uh, one of the things I discovered really quickly when I started looking into that is that it's, it's very uncommon for you to be able to get into that industry, at least in a desirable position in that industry, without already having experience in the industry, which, which is really an interesting conundrum to be in. In other words, it can be extremely difficult to break into if you haven't had some experience or if you don't have some sort of uh, maybe really strong connections with people inside of the industry. Neither of those two things applied to me. I, I did not have any experience in medical at all. I didn't even have any family that were a nurse or anything. I mean, I knew nothing really about that world. And I had, no, I had no inside connections uh, anywhere. That wasn't going to, to cut it. So I remember thinking, man, this is going to be a really long, really brutal, really hard process, but I'm going to stick with it for as long as it takes. And the great thing is I'm not running away from Cutco. I can keep doing this. I, I, I enjoy this. I'm doing well. And for however long it takes for that opportunity to come. So that was kind of my attitude at the time. And what was really interesting was that it didn't take long at all. Within about two months of putting myself out there and and exploring opportunities, I had serious interest, and about a month later, I had an offer. And um, again, I think it was just a credit to, I underestimated the advantages that my Cutco experience gave me. So while I did not have background in, in medical or certainly medical device sales, um, I had a sales advantage on everyone I was competing with, and 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 I think I had also that initiative that we talked about that that I I learned from Cutco. I think people saw this is a guy that's, hey, he's got he's got a lot to learn, but he's not afraid of that. He's willing to get in there and get his hands dirty, and and he's he is going to learn, he is going to grow, and he's going to take some lumps. But there was that belief because of the sales skills and because of the initiative, and so I got on with my first company, my first role, and I basically was just over, and I don't know if we, I won't say the name of the company, because I don't know what we're allowed to do and not to do, but uh, I was over in Mississippi in that, that role, and I was managing that sales territory. Did that for about two years, and then the, the opportunity to move to Olympus came up. I knew the person who was in the Olympus role, and he was advancing, he was being promoted, because he had done a, a pretty good job and he knew me just from working together in, in the arena. And he, he knew what I could do and what I could bring to the table. So he recommended me for the role and the rest was history. I, I got my role, um, with Olympus, which I've now been in
1: for going on five years, about five years. Outstanding. And you've had some great successes that have led you to have more opportunities for leadership there. Right. Tell us about that.
0: That's right. Yeah. Um, It's, it's, it's been exciting. Um, so basically this, this will be my fifth year in the role and we've grown the territory each year to the point to where we're, we're doing more as, as a matter of fact, for the last three years in a row, we've broken the revenue record and profit records for the territory. So year over year we're, we're setting new highs for what's been done in the territory and, um, and there are a lot of reasons for that. I've had some great leaders here um, had, you know, some, some, some good fortune. I've, you know, worked, worked hard as well, but through that, yeah, I got the opportunity to uh, become the national field sales trainer um, within our, our business unit, which means basically I take on a lot of responsibility for, for new hires when they, when they come on board, getting them up and rolling, getting them comfortable, riding with them, having them come ride with me. And observe what i do and and just trying to show them the ropes help them have a higher rate of success got the opportunity to do some in-class training as well so i'm pulled into our our headquarters up in boston and from time to time i'll I'll be tabbed to come up there and lead some training um which i think again goes back to some of those presentation skills and abilities that i learned and, and developed while i was at cutco uh been selected to be a part of our emerging leaders program, which is basically an all-intensive leadership focus 18 month program, which I'm very excited about. And that's a relatively new thing. And um, and I think it's okay to say this as well, but right now I'm in, in the midst of pursuing and I think in a really strong position to earn a role as our senior sales training manager for all of North America. And mm. um, so that's that's still up in the air, but that's something that is moving in a really positive direction. And I'll have in that role, the opportunity to impact even more people, to work with uh, even more people and, and to continue to try to lead into that culture of what I've seen and what I know can exist. Um, and, uh, and that gets me really excited.
1: That sounds like a fast track for having only been in the medical device industry for six years. So it seems like your, your experiences with Cutco and Vector really help, have helped to propel you forward in this next career.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and at the, at, again, it's just one of those things, you don't realize it until you're in the moment and you say, yeah, you know, the reason that, that I'm standing out is because of these skills that I was able to hone for so many years at Cutco. Um, and, and it absolutely has given me a tremendous advantage and, uh, and then I've just also had a lot of, uh, a lot of good, good fortune and favor in my life. I've been blessed to work with some good people. I uh, have been incredibly blessed to have uh, an amazing wife and, and family that loves me and supports me. So there's a lot of reasons for it, but there's no, no doubt about it that the Cutco experience had, has boosted me and my ability to, to move into leadership roles at an incredible pace.
1: Yeah. And you met your wife at Vector, right?
0: That's right. That's right. Sure did. Yeah. <laughs> I, I interviewed her and she thought it was for a sales job, but it was, and it turns out to be my wife. <laughs> 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 no, it's, uh, it's not, not that straightforward, but yeah, I did. I mean, she came in for an interview that first summer when I opened that district office in, uh, in Tupelo and she was from that area. And that's how we met. As a matter of fact, She's not only an, an amazing and wonderful wife, but she's an incredibly talented salesperson. So she was very quickly a very successful salesperson and advanced uh, into management. As a matter of fact, I should say she was, by, by her second year in a job, she was my top salesperson in that entire district. And then she actually advanced and was promoted to district manager as well. And so uh, there was a period where we were both district managers. And, uh, man, she was so talented that she kept me up at night. I was like, I can't let her. I can't, <laughs> I'm so good as a veteran here. And, uh, she-, <clears throat> and she was really successful in that role. And she has her own, her own story about how the Cutco skills that she learned have, have benefited her. But now she's, she's probably the preeminent and most talented, well-known newborn photographer in the Jackson, Mississippi area. Ah, uh huh. And again, you know, this she could probably have her own whole story about it. But just the the sales skills, the communication skills, market ability to market herself has, I think, put her above some of the competition in that space too. So she's incredibly talented. She supports me.
1: And, amazing, amazing. Yeah. And yeah. and so she's built a photography business, and it's it's uh, mm-hmm. photographing newborns. And I understand she's had quite a bit of practice just photographing your guys' own newborns, right?
0: That's so funny. Yeah. So that's actually how I got started. That's how I got started. <laughs> way back when we only had uh one kiddo, which now as you're alluding to, we just recently had our fourth, which we're we're very thankful for. Uh but way back when we just had one, she had kind of this hobby type interest in photography. And I bought her what I thought was like a good camera at that time. It was not cheap, it was fairly expensive. And she just fell in love with it. She fell in love with the art of photography. And within a year, she had upgraded that camera significantly. She had turned it into a business. And she's grown it year over year to the point where she literally, I mean, she she had to turn people away. She has more she has more demand than she can meet uh within her business because she's she's just very talented.
1: Wow. And so you guys have four kids. Right. You're both working. You're both not just working, you're hustling. How do you balance work and family?
0: Man, that's a great question. Uh, That's the truth is I'll start with this. It's definitely, i go back to that pursuit word. It's definitely a pursuit more than it is something that I think we have perfectly achieved because there are very few weeks where I don't question if I'm doing well enough in all of my obligations. It can be challenging. But um, I think the key is that I know for me what my priorities are. And while having an impact in work, and in my career and, and being able to impact people in that avenue is very important to me it is not as important to me as my family it is not as important to me as my wife and so when there are times where decisions need to be made I always try to make them through that lens now to be very clear I couldn't do what I do without her incredible support and sacrifice to um, to allow me to she is always Giving me more leeway to do what I need with work than I'm giving myself. Usually, I'm feeling like I need to bring it back, and she's like, "No, we're okay. You know, you're doing good." So I say all that to say it's definitely more of a pursuit than something that I think we've achieved, and we do great. But I always try to view everything through that lens. Of family is is my most important leadership role, and uh, and it always will be, no matter how far or high I go in my career.
1: Yeah, it sounds like there's a, a great level of communication with some intentionality built in that, uh, that helps sort of inform or guide your schedule and your activities with work. And, and that seems to be a key thing to how you, how you keep it all together.
0: That's right, that's right. There, there are things that I say no to. Maybe if my priorities weren't where they were, I would say things that maybe for myself selfishly I want to say yes to but because I know it's what's best for, for who I really want to be and for our family, I say no to And by the way, there, there are probably far more. No, not probably. There are certainly far more of those for Kasha than there are for me. She, she sacrifices to prioritize our family on a regular basis. And, and you're right. The communication, the teamwork is, is what allows it to happen because we both are committed to that. And because we both want to keep that a top priority in our lives, um, we're able we're able to help each other out. We're able to to um compensate for the other in times where maybe things are are, are particularly busy for that spouse. And so she's great, man. I just it's it's mostly her.
1: It's mostly her, man, if I'm honest. <laughs> well, uh there might be there might be a lot of truth to that, but I'm sure it's a lot you too. So it sounds like you guys have uh are doing a great job with everything both personally and professionally. So that's awesome. Congratulations. Thanks, Dan. Yeah. What are you most excited about as you look into the future, Stephen?
0: Oh man, well, uh that's 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 pretty that's that's a big question, but it's pretty easy. It's it's my family. I'm very excited to see what the future holds. You know, we've got these four young kids that uh that God has just blessed us with, man, and He's trusted us with them. And uh, sometimes I'm like, what in the world were you thinking? Man, I, 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 you know, these kids are, are incredible, but we, we take that responsibility really seriously and we want to do everything we can to set them up, to have a great life, right? And to, to, to be great people, people of value that um, love on others and that make an impact in the world. So I'm, I'm really, really excited and also really, really nervous about raising them up. To the best of our abilities. And I, I'm also just incredibly excited about my relationship with Kasha. I mean, we've got probably another, you know, 18, 20 years, whatever, where we're going to be raising these, these kiddos. And, and that's going to be a, a big season of our life, but I'm hoping, um, uh, I'm hoping that Kasha and I have significantly longer than that together. And we have so much fun together, man. We love to travel. We love to, um, go places and have experiences together and still like which this is another thing actually is in the moment i'm thinking about this is a lesson i learned while i was at cutco from a cutco leader but we still do date nights regularly and it's still both of our favorite time of the week you know whenever that happens we just love being with each other and spend time together and so i'm incredibly excited for our relationship and all the things we're going to do and see together and so yeah, that's a pretty long answer, but it's definitely my family.
1: Outstanding. Well, when you think about the concept of changing lives and the theme of this podcast, we do that in many ways through our work and the people we impact at work and all of the uh, you know, effect that they can have on the world. But the biggest way is these four little humans that you guys are raising and the ripple effect that that will create in the world. That's uh, like you said, your family is your most important leadership role. And it's great that you recognize that, and uh, it seems like uh, you're somebody that has uh, a lot of great things going for you and the seeds of even greater success down the road. So congratulations on all that and kudos to you. and thank you very, very much for being part of the podcast here today, Stephen. This has been great.
0: I appreciate that, Dan. And I just got I got a shout out to you, man. I was like I was we were talking about before this. So so impressed with, with the podcast. You've built it into something incredible. He put out a tremendous volume and quality podcast. And I can remember back to one of the conferences, I think it was maybe a year in banquet, several years ago when I was still at Cutco and John Ruland's book, Giftology, was being released. Remember this? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And John Kane uh, was, was speaking about it and he, he made the comment that I think this, this piece of media can have as great of an, an impact on the Cutco brand as anything we've ever seen before. And of course, we've seen that to be very true. John's had a tremendous impact for, for all sorts of reasons and, and positive on the Cutco brand. But I really think your podcast is, is in that same vein, man. I mean, yeah. I just, I'd be curious to know how many people inside versus outside of Cutco are listening to this podcast. But I think for anyone that's on the outside and hasn't had exposure to Cutco, If they've gotten to listen to some of these podcasts with some of the incredible leaders within Cutco, I think they're probably so impressed with with what's going on here. And they get a little insight into, wow, like these are some special people and there are some real phenomenal leaders. And you have shined the light on that. So kudos to you, man.
1: Well, thank you so much for saying that. Thank you for your support and encouragement. and, And thanks for participating today. I really appreciate the value you've brought, Stephen. You
0: got it. Thanks, Dan.
1: Stephen Williams, everyone, another great conversation here on Changing Lives podcast. Cool to hear about his cut coast selling experience, and I, I particularly want to note that he talked about working hard in that first summer being more important to his success than how good he was at selling. Another Jim Rohn-ism that I love to share is you make up in effort what you might lack in skill. And when somebody's new at something, that's a great way to accelerate your success is sometimes it's just effort. It's more effort and you put that in. And of course, with that effort, the skill tends to follow as long as you're constantly learning and asking questions. Stephen had a chance to evaluate grad school versus the district manager opportunity after college and And for him, the district manager opportunity had urgency, whereas grad school was something he viewed as a thing he could always do. In the end, it's something he may pursue. And as he mentioned, his company will pay for it at this point. This may or may not apply to how others think, but I just thought that was a great way to look at the opportunities that come along that we have choices between. And the fact of the matter is being a district manager for a few years provided Stephen with a grad school-like experience in terms of learning and growth and building his credentials. He realized after succeeding in his medical device career that the key reason why, or one of the most important reasons why he was standing out was because of his Cutco Vector experience, both in selling and in management. I loved where he talked about the pursuit of lifelong learning, the pursuit of growth, and the importance of that as a part of the Cutco Vector culture and embracing that and developing that as a part of who you are. And of course, it was nice towards the end to hear Stephen talk about his family and how that is his most important leadership role and what inspires him most for the future. I hope you enjoyed getting to know Stephen Williams today and that you got some good value out of today's episode. Thanks everybody for your support of the podcast. Thanks for listening. If you got value from today's episode, please share it with others and consider rating or reviewing us on your podcast player. Subscribing to the podcast is free and ensures that future episodes are automatically downloaded directly to your device. For access to guest bios, show notes, and other resources, visit changinglivespodcast.com. You can sign up there to receive valuable resources for free from people featured on the podcast. And to support our podcast sponsors, visit changinglivespodcast.com slash deals. This is Dan Cassetta signing off. We'll be back in a few days for our next story about changing lives.